Hello, 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 and welcome back to Mommy Files of a New Black Mom. Now, today's episode is kind of a lighthearted, light-spirited episode, um, and the reason I decided to talk about this is because it is, it's about mommyhood, but it's not about mommyhood, but it is about mommyhood, and it's facts on top of facts, um, and if you're wondering what I'm referring to, I'm referring to baby showers. And the reason I brought this up is because I am a huge fan of Insecure. Issa Rae is bae. Like, I love, 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 love Insecure. I even got my fiance to watch it when we first started dating, and he literally tried to download the ringtone for Broken Pussy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Insecure. Period. End of conversation. I'm not even going to give you details. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not a part of Lauren's Hive. I'm definitely not Team Daniel. I want what's best for her. I'm her real friend. But <laughs> anyway, um, the reason I brought this up, because on the latest episode, which we're in season three of Insecure, so you're way, way late, 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 um, is about their friendship evolving through something as simple as their friend having a baby. And for me, I don't know about you, but I was one of the first friends in my little friend circle that had a baby. Um, My best friend had a baby about five years ago, but me and her kind of, we were, we were still super duper close. We've been friends for almost 16 years now. Um, But what had happened in that situation was the fact that a lot of times it was just me and her. Um, we were close friends, met first day of freshman year of high school, like literally best friends since day one. And what's interesting is when she became pregnant, I had just gotten into a new relationship. And I think that two new things made it very hard for both of us to focus on each other as we usually did. Um, we found that we both were trying to keep our, you know, our, our personal life outside of our friendship together as well as our personal life within our friendship together and it was complicated because things were not the same i had moved back to baltimore i had a new fresh boyfriend i was you know just moved in with him we're living this new life here she comes and she's pregnant and she wants her best friend to hold her hand the entire way she was looking for you know her bestie like her rolling and i wasn't as readily available she wasn't as readily available and our friendship actually took a pause which is very interesting because anyone who knows us thinks it's the craziest thing that we just stopped talking for like (laughs) almost a year and what was crazy was like our families were like why are you not talking that is literally your best friend why are y'all not friends right now every time I drove past her street when I went to Jersey my father was like have you talked to Shez you need to talk to her have you called her you should call her you know her family members would reach out to me and I would reach out to her family members and it was very weird it was a very empty kind of friendship I missed my goddaughter's for his birthday because of it I felt very you know separated and anxiety about it but I couldn't force her to want to be friends with me but I also couldn't force her to feel any different than how I made her feel and the reason I say that is because she was hurt she was hurt as a friend because she was going through this pregnancy quote-unquote alone she didn't have you know her significant other her mom and them were there but they weren't super supportive and granted um the last time we actually had our best moment in that was her baby shower um I had decided I was going to be a part of it even though we were having some rocky terms in the midst of her pregnancy I was like I'm your best friend I'm going to be a part of your baby shower I'm going to do as much as physically possible I you know I made sure I found a place I made sure I found a caterer I helped her mom with decorating 
what was difficult wasn't the fact that it was a baby shower. It was like taking on this task that had to be perfect. And granted, she would have loved whatever I did for her because I knew what she wanted. I knew most of what the idea is. She was very much involved. But I realized how significant the baby shower is as far as your friendship. And, excuse me, the reason I say that is because in the episode I'm referring to in Insecure, um, the girl Tiffany, who is the bougiest friend of them all, (laughs) is having her baby shower. And Issa and Kelly and I'm totally brain farting on her other homegirl name. I'm like, can't think of it. But anyway, it's a group of four friends. And Kelly, who I would say is Tiffany's closest friend because they talk as much as possible versus Issa and the other girl who, you know, they're close, but they're like besties together. And then Tiffany and the other girl, Kelly, are besties together. Tiffany's the one having the baby. Now, mind you, they went on this little girl's trip not too long before this baby shower. And Tiffany had really expressed by the end of the episode that she really felt some type of way because she really wanted to party with her friends one last time. Because I guess she was in hopes that things would never change. And the baby shower was very significant because, you know, here they were, the other three girls, not Tiffany, but they got together the night before Tiffany's shower. Like, oh, you know, we're going to get there early because the shower is supposed to be at 1. We'll get there like 11, 30, 12, see if she needs any help decorating. And Kelly was like, well, I'm going to make her some cupcakes, give her little pastries, you know, just try to give her something. But nobody mentioned that they had talked to her about any of this, like, This was more or less them just coming together and saying, we're going to come and help out. Fast forward to the baby shower. They get there and realize, oh, the baby shower is fully decorated. It's gorgeous. It's dripping in Tiffany's essence of, like, light skin (laughs) beauty and just her bouginess and very, you know, just A-list, beautiful, you know, baby shower. And when they come in, they're like, oh, you know, we came early to help. And she was like, oh, no, you know, my home girl, you know, let's just say Anna. Anna came and Anna decided to throw in this baby shower. And Anna's been here since day one. And Anna's also pregnant. And Anna, you know, jumps in the scene and she's like, oh, yeah, I came super early to make sure everything got done and make sure she was organized and make sure everything was finished. Because I'm hoping, you know, my baby comes out and they have her, a little cute little moment between her and Tiffany as besties. Now, Kelly isn't there yet, but Issa and Molly, that is the girl's name, Issa and Molly are standing there with a shock face. They don't really know who this girl is, and literally, Tiffany was like, oh, everything is done unless you want to help, you know, my sister put out chairs outside, and Tiffany, and Issa and Molly immediately get in their feelings, like, oh, like, we some just, some, some side pieces, some just nothings, you know, oh, we can just do this, they immediately get upset. Then when Kelly shows up, Kelly comes in with cupcakes, and the girls are like, oh, we already have a signature dessert. We already have all the pastries we need. And Kelly's like, these are Gladys-like cupcakes that I baked personally for my friend for her baby shower. Y'all gonna put these cupcakes out. But Kelly's a little ratchet, so take it as it may. But I got what she was saying. You know, you're not gonna dismiss my cupcakes. I made these personal. And they were gorgeous, you know, vanilla, you know, beautifully with, like, the little pearls and stuff. Like, Kelly did her thing on these daggone cupcakes. But Kelly felt some type of way because she felt excluded. So, you know, that she went outside, stormed out, because literally Tiffany was kind of taking sides with these other girls. And her and Kelly, Issa and Molly have been friends for a very long time. So she immediately felt like, oh, so now we're chopped liver because you're about to have a baby. So, as we continue the episode, Molly and Issa go after Kelly outside. 
and try to console her and calm her down and Kelly you know express her feelings she feels like she's losing her best friend to a baby she feels like she was just upset and that if she leaves Tiffany doesn't even care because what Tiffany is in her own little bubble and when Tiffany comes out Tiffany immediately goes to defend she's like what is wrong with y'all and Issa and Molly you know say well why you ain't access to her why we didn't get to be on the committee and Tiffany completely let go of her guard and told her how told her friend what she really felt she said girl none of y'all asked me to throw a shower and she was like well you know I, you know Issa had her excuses because she's going through her life troubles and whatever and Molly gave her excuses because she just got a new job and she was like we always gonna have problems we always gonna have life situations but nobody asked me about throwing this baby shower except for her and I waited to see if anybody was gonna ask the girls had nothing to say then then on top of that you know she was like Asa was like well you know we wouldn't have even been able to help because you wouldn't have wanted us to help she said but that's not the point she said the point was we could have done it fake together but I would have wanted to do it with my with my main bitches with my real friend but nobody asked and then Kelly you know inter- interluded and said you know hey I asked you and she more or less told Kelly well, because you don't have any kids, you couldn't tell me a baby shower. You know, such and such has kids. She, you know, she's having a baby herself. She knows she's a mom. And Kelly completely was mortified by it. She saw her friend more or less describe that she couldn't do something good for her because she was not in the same position or never had a child. And Kelly was hurt. And Kelly was trying to keep it together. And she was so quick to, you know, get herself together because she was two seconds from leaving. And Issa and Molly convinced her to come back in, you know, just chill. It's all good, you know, trying to fix it. And when Kelly did leave, guess what? Tiffany didn't even notice. And it was exactly that kind of feeling. But this baby shower legitimately was a stepping stone that they never expected. And because of it, it was a big piece of their friendship that was now a complete, complete 360. So, we're going to take a quick second break and then we'll be back. And we are back. So, yeah, where I left off. More or less, this baby shower was a pinnacle piece of their friendship that they never freaking expected. And what's crazy is the fact that they never looked to this baby shower until like the day before. Do you think you can legitimately show up to your quote unquote bestie baby shower the day before and just do everything like she was doing it by herself? And so that's selfish as hell. Why? Because all of y'all had things going on. You're always going to have things going on. There's always going to be work problems, men problems, drama, whatever. But nobody thought about her. And that's a really deep thing when you're pregnant. Um, as a new mom, I know that I was, <laughs> I was a little hesitant for my friends to throw my baby shower. I enlisted my mom because my mother knows me well, very, very, very well. Um, I could be a bit temperamental. I can have a bit of a smart-ass mouth, and I can, you know, get a little touchy. And so I knew that the one person 
who could take all my shit and still do what I like and not curse me out was my mother. Yes, I had moments I was mean. I will say that. But my mom knows how to, like, take me with a grain of salt and be like, girl, get it together. So. But I was very much still involved. I booked the place. I booked the food. I just needed them to decorate, make sure people showed up, send out invitations, and period. You know, just get it together day of. Make sure my mom had all the support she needed to help set up. And that was kind of where I left it. Um, the crazy part about it was my baby shop was not perfect, but it was exactly what it was. You know, all my friends and family were there. The food was good. Everyone had a good time. We played a couple of good games, had some good prizes. Um, I actually had a bar (laughs) at my baby shower, so that was fun. Um, I had cigars at my baby shower, that was fun. (laughs) So, at all points, at some points, you know, you gotta have your involvement. But, you know, my friends were like, oh, you know, what are you doing for your baby shower? You know, I'm here to help. And I had, you know, one of my closest friends who, hey, I was at her wedding. I was involved a lot of parts in her life. And I never heard from her for uh, most of my baby shower. And then the day of, she texted me like, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I was really hurt. You know what I mean? Like, I stopped my life to be in her wedding. I stopped, came to Jersey, you know, kept going back and forth, paid to be in your wedding, paid to put the dress on, paid to get this dress made. All those things for you. I'm having my baby and you were, you know, very, you know, involved-ish in the beginning. But by the end of it, you were kind of a lackluster friend. And I know life happens, but this was my first baby. And I felt like, you know, this was definitely a testament to if your friends can't handle you at some big life change, i.e. baby, i.e. wedding, pregnancy, marriage, whatever way you want to put it, they're maybe not your real friend. They're maybe not good friends. Um, and what's crazy was my best friend had played a prank said she couldn't make it to my baby shower and I was so heated I was getting my hair done with my uh my hairdresser who's like literally my personal stylist when it comes to my hair and I'm sitting there trying to get myself together I'm already running late for this baby shower I've been running around all day and trying to get it together (laughs) and legitimately I'm like I'm so pissed my best friend said she's not gonna be here I don't have anything to say I literally just stopped responding to her text messages because I was so angelic my best friend's not gonna be here this is the worst so pissed about it da, 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 da. you know everyone else is gonna be there but this is my best friend like this is my bestie and she's not gonna be at my baby child this is gonna be her godchild. like how the hell are you not here so of course I show up and I'm walking around hugging you know greeting everybody and she comes from around the corner and I legit scream and full-on ball my eyes out like full-on cry because I just I just knew she was gonna be there she was like I knew you were so mad you stopped texting me back you stopped responding girl I knew you were upset but she understood the significance of our friendship she understood the significance that her being there was like do or die bed style like girl (laughs) You cannot just not be at my way. You just cannot be not be. Like, you can't. I want to see. And what's crazy is, I I didn't realize how important the baby shower was to me. And I think it was so important. Not because, you know, oh, this is one of those corny, you know, whatever kind of moments. It was because this is the, probably the only time I'm going to have a baby. Um, I, me and my fiance had agreed, agreed when 
we first started, you know, dating, hey, you know, he was of a certain age and he already had other children and he was like, baby, I don't know if I can do two more. I can give you one more. And I always kept saying, uh-huh, like, we'll have two or three. <laughs> but <laughs> in reality, I I probably will not have another child. Um, pregnancy is real as hell. We'll get into that in another episode. But yeah, I, I probably <laughs> will only have my one princess, which is perfectly okay with me. Um, but I, I knew kind of going into it, she would probably be it. So I indulge as much as possible in my pregnancy. And because of that, I'm like, another one, do this again. What are you talking about? (laughs) And so I knew from experience, like, if you're not going to be here for this, I don't know when you're going to be here. And for me, I felt like anybody who missed this, I'm good. Because the next thing I'm doing is my wedding. And I, this showed me who really can, can can handle the weight, who can really be there when I need them. Because guess what? My, my baby shower was small, you know, compared to something like a wedding. You know, your baby shower is one day. It's fun-filled. Food, games, all your loved ones. You get money, you get gifts, you get all the stuff to welcome this baby that everybody is so hopeful is going to be gorgeous and not crazy looking and that your pregnancy goes well versus your wedding which is like engagement party you know bridal shower uh bachelorette party you know bachelor party then the actual wedding so baby showers to me were like that tell sign of what's gonna happen because i felt like if you're really my friend and you're really my my road you know my road dog my a1 bitch you should be at my baby shower. You should have involved yourself. You should be as any kind of aids as possible to me and my time I need. So, this episode was just me kind of venting about that. Baby shower is significantly important, especially for anyone. We're emotional. But we also need their friends. And the baby shower was definitely a sign like, who was going to handle? Who was going to be there? Like, I was grateful, you know. We had picked godparents, and I was like, I know who I want because I know who won't be there. I know if God forsake something happen, these two people, they gonna come hella high water. So, you win some and you lose some, but I feel like people just don't understand how important it is. And to respect people, you know, want and need for it to be important. But that's the today's. That ends today's episode. Cap it short and sweet. And I'll see you beautiful people next week. I'm out. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Wherever you are in the land of Zamundas. <laughs> this is the girl Shawnee and I am back and we are excited for another fun filled week and it's the modern files of a new black mom but <laughs> um so 
We've been touching a lot of different touchy subjects, and this week will be no different. Um, I like to touch subjects that are a little less on the to-do list of most people talking about being a new mom. Um, I joined a Facebook group for breastfeeding, and a lot of the things they have on there is (laughs) specific, but they also kind of have this phrase like, click the hashtag, find the answers, where they've already discussed it, already talked about it, and they don't feel like going over it again. And one of the new moms kind of made a little bit of a ranting post towards the administrators of the group, and it kind of made me laugh because she was like, well, why do y'all delete comments or block comments or, you know, and she said, well, because a lot of stuff we don't support. This is a breastfeeding group. We don't do supplements. We don't like people who give false hopes to things that may or may not work. And I was like, preach, stay in your ground, shorty. Because my my subject for today's conversation and where I came about with that is disciplining your children, standing your ground. And the reason this kind of came full about for that is because a lot of times we do things based off our previous experience. Um, my parents believed in whoopings, beatings, poppings, all that, whatever phrase you want to use to make you feel less stressed, an ass whooping. <laughs> um, and one of the biggest conversations I had with one of my friends who is a mom is about discipline. Um, I've noticed more or less than anything that women tend to be hesitant to discipline their girls. And when I say hesitant, it's almost like they allow their daughters to have enough sass, enough back talk that makes me a little uncomfortable. And the boys, they're a little more hard on, but the men in the lives of these children are the ones that are really forced to discipline. Um, And the reason I say that is because a lot of times you get these mothers and they're so quick to protect their baby. Oh, this is my sugar pot, honey bun, sweet nothing, baby. She could never. And then the father comes in and he's like, you're still my baby, but I'm going to prove that you should have done what you should have done. And disciplining you is the only way I can prove that. It's very interesting. My parents were very opposite of those thoughts. Um, my parents <laughs> whooped ass. <laughs> Beatings, whoopings, whatever you want to call it, happened. Now, I was a very promiscuous child who also had a very smart mouth and enjoyed, you know, testing the waters and putting my toe in to see how far I can go before my foot got wet. And anyone know this. Um, but I also bent the law. My mother loves to tell a story about how I got in trouble. And I I was probably no older than six. And she told me to sit in the chair. Don't go anywhere. Do not leave this chair was her specific words. My mother's very specific. She's very particular. She uses phrases. And when she knows what she said, how she said, and what it meant. The reason I say that is because I'm a very particular person that likes to use specifics. If you tell me I can't go home, okay, well, I'll go anywhere but home. If you tell me I can't drive your car I can drive my car these are very specifics that my mother used to kind of enjoy nitpicking with me because she always went you know you almost have to be too specific I'm like what you mean ma she's like because you're the kind of child who will hold a parent or anyone accountable for the specifics they say I'm like with that child I don't understand like if you told me I can't go outside 
I can go on the porch. The porch isn't outside. I like to know my boundaries. And when you set them, don't be upset with how far I push them. Um, but yeah, I noticed that women are less into the beating of the child. Unless you're just one of those women who are like, I ain't got no choice. But it's, it's a rarity, at least in my opinion, that you see women really tactful in their, in their disciplining. And I don't like having men in the the bad guy, you know, role. I don't like mom and the good guy, dad and the bad guy. But I also don't like mom as the bad guy and dad as the savior that comes in and rescues the baby. Like, to me, I feel like it's an equal opportunist for the position of bad guy. But I don't feel like we have to be specific to the bad guy, good guy role. Like, I don't feel like I always have to be the one that has to discipline my child. I feel like if we're out somewhere and she's acting up, it should be even one of us who sees her to catch her, to discipline her, and to make sure she's doing the right thing. Because what kids fail to realize, disciplining isn't a joy for a parent. It's actually the opposite of a joy. It's actually hurtful. Because now... I have to do something to harm you for you to understand that what you've done was so wrong that if I didn't show you some kind of harmfulness or that this is what kind of pain can cause from your actions, you won't get why I told you not to do it. It may seem really crazy because when you break it down in such a simple form, I am hurting you to prove that what you can do is either wrong or hurtful to yourself. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, for me, I don't like specifics when it comes to who plays what role in that position of trying to teach the child what's right from wrong without saying, oh, I'm the one that's going to beat her and you're the one that's going to talk to her. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair that one parent gets off from feeling the guilt of disciplining. But it's also, you know, a very hard subject because us as black people... I'm going to be very specific in my wording. Us as African-American black people look a little bit down on parents that do not discipline their children in a physical form. And the reason I say that is because we've all been in a supermarket, a mall, a doctor's office, wherever. And you've seen, you know, another parent with their child. And they either have a child on a leash or they have a child in a car seat or some type of restraint. But the child is just clearly like, I'm doing my own thing, screaming, yelling, acting out, embarrassing this parent. To the extent that the parent is now yelling, screaming, and or even trying to do the opposite, calm talking, close talking, using these special words and phrases. And it looks like a crazy person. I had a lady and her husband who were in the doctor's office. Me and my fiance went to the doctor's. Now, my baby is sleeping in her carriage. Our oldest daughter is at school. And... We're legit just sitting there, just, you know, minding our business, waiting for his medicine to come up. We idle chit-chat. And this couple comes in once they had two kids, but only one of their children is on a leash. Now, leashes really bother me. It bothers me to every extent of my body. Like, I hate it. It's the worst thing I feel you could put on your child. It's very demoralizing to a child. You, excuse me. Hmm. Mommy life is real. I did not sleep but like three hours last night. I apologize for my yawn. But um, they have two kids and only one child is on a leash. And, and one child being on a leash kind of disturbed me already because I was like, well, why is this child? But, you know, I noticed that the other child was very mild mannered, very quiet, very to his mom's hip versus the 
younger child who was a little bit more vigor, you know, a little bit more fun, jumping around, screaming, yelling, trying to get away, trying to get away, trying to get away. But he had on this leash, and this leash really bothered me. Because not only was this child crying because he was not comfortable, because this leash was across his chest and under his arm, so every time he moved, his father would yank at his body. Which people don't realize is not a good thing when you're three times as heavy as this child and you're yanking them with all of your arm force to you or stopping them in mid-motion. But then on top of that, they would allow the child to be on the ground and roll around and act out and yank him by this, again, leash. It really, really bothered me. It gave me the, the biggest image of a child compared to a puppy. But then I know that's bullshit because people will carry their puppy. People would put their puppy in a carrier and do and treat it so much nicer than the way this man was yanking on his child. As the mother kind of looked, she noticed that everyone in the doctor's office was, you know, observant of her actions and his actions. And she was a bit embarrassed. But don't be embarrassed. You're the one that bought the leash. My whole thought is you can't feel bad because people are looking at you with judgment because you look crazy with your child on this dog leash. That's exactly what this thing is, a dog leash. I don't care if they put a monkey on it, they put a cute little backpack on it, they put glitter around the, the, the harness. It is a baby on a leash, and it bothers me. And it's one of those things where we have demoralized our children that I would never, ever, I don't care how bad my child was acting, put them on a leash and walk around with them. That, that sucks. That is the worst that you could do, and it's embarrassing because it makes you look really bad as a parent, which people don't realize. You're making yourself look really bad because now I'm like, you can't even control your child that you have to put them on a harnessed leash and walk your child. That's crazy. And if you feel like your child has too much vigor, maybe you should let him do more activities in which he can burn himself out. He needs to learn how to be cool, calm, and collective in his own setting. Like, people... Come on, because you're going to kill everybody. Excuse me, I apologize. Because <laughs> to me, one of the biggest issues I have is the fact that parents don't look at the problem of something until it's already, you know, embarrassing. And what I mean by embarrassing is you didn't look, you know, embarrassed. You didn't care that you put your child on leash. And so you notice that all these parents in here and all these adults in this doctor's office are looking at you and your child with with more concern. Like, what in the world? Why would you do? Okay. Why would you do? Uh, you, uh, uh, okay. 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 Don't say nothing. Cause I don't know when else thinks this is weird. You know, that's, that's the whispers that are going on. Now... I don't lie, parents who don't believe in whoopings and beatings, and they do these very calm conversations, very close, calm conversations, and they of the uh, white, you know, nationality, which is fine, if that's what you believe. And I think they take this approach because, one, they see how aggressive all the other races have taken on disciplining. Spanish, well, Spanish people know, the abuela, their mama, their titi, whoever, they're throwing a shoe, hitting them with something. I don't know too many Spanish people who can't recognize, you know, getting whoopings or beatings or getting hit with somebody's slipper or chancleta. You know what I mean? And then you have the Asian community. I, I'll say this. I've known more people of different nationalities due to my work and talking to them. You know, we always talk about kids and discipline and crazy stuff because you see all these school shootings and kids building bombs in their basement. And one of my, you know, one of my employees was 
well, it is Asian. She's actually uh, Chinese. And she said that her, her parents didn't physically beat her, but they would do things that caused just as much pain. Like, she would have to kneel on a bed of dry rice. And her knees would be bloody by the end of it, which sounds crazy, right? But all that pressure, all these greens, it just... Uh, parents are creative as hell, let me tell you this. Uh, but she said that was their discipline. She said her brother would fail a class. He would have to carry books and sit with his back against the wall and his knees out and arms out. And he would have about four or five books sitting on his lap, just weighing him down. And he could not move. So just because you think, oh, I'm not physically putting my hands on my child. Parents are creative in their discipline. And this is where the real conversation comes about. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I do not believe in putting, on, putting my hands on a child I did not birth without some kind of authority given. But even then, I say take it with a grain of the biggest piece of kosher salt you can get. You hear me? Because what bothers me is the fact that people get so trigger happy. And when I say trigger happy, I mean just what it says. Trigger happy. Where you get somebody who's so excited and so ready to discipline. It's almost like a drug addict. They almost become endured to like endorphins. They're just so hyped. And I'm like, why are you so excited to beat someone else's child? And it's almost like they get uh, a sense of empowerment, like, oh, huh, huh. But to me, that's not fair. I would never put my hands on a child unless I felt it was necessary. And even then, I would use a big, big piece of discernment when it comes to that. And I don't know why people think that, you know, beating may be... You know, how can I say it? Beating might be the answer to it all. I don't agree with that. But I will say that disciplining in whatever form you use should be uh, a form of some kind of conversation between you and the other parent, but also you and that child. This child that you're, you know, disciplining doesn't know always their actions of which caused this issue. Like, my mom used to say, you know, well, you, you know, do you know why you're getting a whooping? Do you know why I'm going to beat you? Do you know why you're in trouble? And a lot of times I would be like, no. Because I, I was so afraid of what I may have done that I didn't really know what I did. You know, I may have had a multiple actions that I felt maybe weren't so bad. But she wanted to specifically let me know, hey, girl, this specific one thing is what caused you to get a whooping today. Nothing more, nothing less. And I used to, you know, not appreciate, but I used to get, okay, this is what I did that was wrong. So if I do this again, I can understand why my mother is going to beat me. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now, that may not have stopped me from doing these, you know, wrong actions. But (laughs) for me, I took it as that, you know, completely took it as that. And some people just beat their kids to beat them. I've seen a lot of Facebook videos and a lot of Facebook just puts out there is, you know, people discipline their children on public display. I don't like it. Um, Discipline your child should be a private situation. Why? Because why are you going to permanently scar and embarrass your child? Because now 
because suicide rate has literally skyrocketed. Not just because of the bullies that they go to school with, but the bullies of their parents. Their parents feel like, oh, well, if I discipline my child out loud, they won't do anything out loud to embarrass me. They, they embarrass me out loud. Why can't I embarrass them out loud? And I'm like, how is that, you know, you being the adult? I don't think embarrassing your child is the way to solve any problem. Now, what I will say is that you embarrassing your child will do nothing but cause them to have more psychological and mental, you know, issues. Because now they're looking at themselves as like, you know, not only am I embarrassed by the actions of whatever may have caused me to act out, but now the actions of my parents, which are now like embarrassing me, I am now subject to. And the biggest thing was parents putting the kids out there on Facebook or making them do something, wear something, and post it so that all of, not the people who really were hurt by their child's actions, but their friends, their, their parents' friends. And I don't want to see anybody's child getting embarrassed like that. It is, it is not, oh, empowering. It does not make me feel like your child would do any better. If anything, it makes me feel sad for your child. Why? Because I'm looking at your child like a victim. I'm looking at them like, you think that showing and embarrassing your child in such a way is going to make them say, you know what, my mom embarrassed me. I ain't never going to do that again. No. It's going to say, my mom embarrassed me, and now I'm embarrassed, and now I feel like shit, and now, you know, I was going through something. Now this has made it three, four, five, ten times worse. Now, these, again, are my opinions. I will not endorse anyone embarrassing their child on Facebook because I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think it. Huh, I don't think it's any way that I can look at what was going on and say, "Oh, yes, embarrass your child. Show them who boys." No, because if any day I'm like, "Why would you do this? Why did you think that this is going to help your child feel better or stop your child from embarrassing you?" If anything, it makes your child more sneaky because now they're trying to figure out how they can do stuff without you finding out. And as a step-parent, and, you know, I have a physical, you know, biological child now, whoopings and beatings are very, very touchy. And they're touchy in the sense of me trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to discipline without more or less stepping over boundaries that me and her father have had conversations about. And the reason I say that is because, you know, when you have a conversation with your significant other, whether it be male or female, husband, wife, whatever, you have to know where their head is at when it comes to disciplining. I know that my fiancé is adamant about discipline, but he also was more on whoopings and beatings than conversation. And as we've gotten a little further in our relationship and our household and things that we kind of worked on with each other and just talking about certain things and him finding you know ways to not just always go to excuse me whooping he found that one it was a lot less stressful for him <laughs> two he also found that he was having better communication with his child um just automatically getting upset whooping and then you know, the child lying or feeling like, you know, oh, I can't talk to you about something. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't see him as someone who would never whoop his child again. But I also 
give him admiration because I knew it took a lot for him to whip his children to have that kind of conversation of you know well this is what I'm doing to more or less make sure you're doing what you need to do because obviously if you can't take my word for for sure I'm going to show you you know the physical for sure now I have what I call a voice of power um because I have a stepchild, well, I have multiple stepchildren, but I have a stepchild that lives in my home. She's the one that I singly discipline. Why? Because the other two children that do not live in my home have parents that are physically contently around them. So anything that goes on that may need real discipline, I will verbalize to him. And he can decide if he's going to discipline or if their mothers are going to discipline. Now, the reason I say that is because... It doesn't take me much to want to say something, but my voice is where I leave it. My voice is where I let my my biggest, you know, point go down. Why? Because if I can't handle it with my voice, I damn sure don't know how to handle it with a whooping because I'm so quick to say, well, I'm just going to beat it. But if I can't verbalize to this child why they're wrong, why I chose to physically, you know, put my hands on them, I don't need to be whipping. People take the, the time to talk to their children and let them know the situation prevents so much more issues than people who just beat their kids and wonder why their kids are still doing the same acts. And a lot of times, kids either don't know how rude they are or they realize that if they say certain stuff or do certain stuff, their mother and father are not going to do anything. So they keep pushing the envelope further. My goddaughter has so much sass. But she's a lot, lot, a whole lot like her mother. Why? Because she's not a she's not a weak, you know, mild-mannered child. She's the one who has so much vigor and so much thought and so much to say that she's literally my best friend. But she's the, the outspoken part that my best friend kind of doesn't show often. And it's interesting because I remember we were out to eat. And this is prior to me having a child. So it's a story. And she gets so snippety with her mother because she wanted, I think, french fries instead of mashed potatoes. And my best friend, like, she had a long day. I think she worked that day. She also just was fed up. She was trying to do so much. She was running around. It was just a very long day that you could see all over my best friend's face. So, when my godchild is now going off, my best friend's face is just like, girl, I can't. Like, that's how she looked. I just can't. I, I looked at my godchild, who was all of probably three at the time, and I said, little girl, listen here, you do not talk to your mother like that. Now, if you do that again, understand, she won't have to pop you. I will. And I continued to eat my food. She looked down and acted like, she, I said, and you better eat that food. I don't care how you feel. She looked at her mother. Her mother looked at her and said, oh, you want to trust her, huh? My godchild knew from then she could not try me. But I had to step in as a friend, as her godmother, as an adult. Because sometimes that's what you have to do. But your voice can be just as powerful. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back.